We interrupt your regularly scheduled moment of silence to bring you the news. Bangkok, Moscow, Europa, Cybertron, Kronos, Frogstar, Lost Moon of Poosh. News from around the cosmos podcasted secretly from 20,000 leagues below Skynet headquarters. This is The Nautilus at Nine with Marcus Nemo. Well, good morning. Welcome to Nautilus at Nine. I'm Marcus Nemo, bringing you tomorrow's news cycle, Recycled Today. Whether you're listening to this in the upside down while hiding from a demigorgon, maybe you're just tuning in after waking up from a lacuna memory erasing procedure, now's a good time to fix yourself a stiff drink and listen to the news from a multitude of different dimensions that are hopefully worse off than the one you're occupying right now. Currently enjoying one of my favorite on-air cocktails, I call it a Blade Rummer which is six cups of spiced rum and one ounce of the tears of a dying replicant. Mmm, tears in rum. Okay, our top story, the Time Enforcement Commission has finally caught and executed that pan-dimensional terrorist known as Dr. Emmett Brown. The temporal officers, or time cops as they're more commonly known, tracked down Dr. Brown to a New York taxicab company where Brown had been hiding throughout the late 1970s and early 80s under the false identity of a one J. Ignatowski. Dr. Brown had been found guilty by both the Time Enforcement Commission and the Department of Temporal Investigations of reckless creation of multiple time streams and the illegal relocation of his teenage assistant into an alternate timeline. Now, apparently, there's been a recorded message by Dr. Brown from inside his sunshine taxi cab just before his termination, and we'll bring you that as soon as we can. But while we wait for that, I can tell you that the execution of Dr. Brown was a much-needed victory for the Time Enforcement Commission, as the previous attempt to assassinate Dr. Brown was a recorded failure by the TEC. Apparently, the time cops on that previous attempt to shoot and kill Dr. Brown only succeeded in terminating him in one of, in fact, two parallel running timelines. And some of our older listeners may remember that particular deep cover operation. It took place in the small American town of Hill Valley, California, at a local shopping mall parking lot at approximately 1.35 a.m., where the undercover time cops, dressed as two Libyan men, burned to death in a Volkswagen van as it smashed into a Fox photo stand. Sadly, none of the deep cover officers from either the Twin Pines or Lone Pines time stream survive the fire. Oh, and it looks like we now have the audio footage of the last recorded message of the elusive Dr. Emmett Brown from inside his New York taxicab just before his most recent assassination. Let's see if we can get some clarification on Brown's sick and depraved experiments. And just a word of warning, the next audio you're going to hear is of a temporal nature. You and your loved ones could run the risk of fading from existence. Listener discretion is advised. Transmitting on a flux frequency of 1.21 gigahertz from inside a sunshine taxi cab on Wednesday evening, June 15th, 1983, at precisely 8.35 p.m. There are the facts of a time paradox that will be happening in Hill Valley, California, two years from now. Uh, from the moment I sat up in my bulletproof vest in the Lone Pine Mall parking lot, I knew that the Marty that I was talking to was not the intelligent, confident Marty from the successful McFly family, but instead... This was the same whiny-voiced dumbass that I first met in the year 1955. This could only mean that my Marty, the clever Marty, who moments ago left Lone Pine Mall in a flash of light and fire trails, must through some separate course of events materialized in this sucky Marty's timeline. Oh, complete with twin pines, trashy parents, and, oh, the tragic Emmett Brown bleeding out in front of him. Great. Scott, what a future to come back to. Well, as 
soon as I could, I ditched the loser Marty and traveled to the future to test my theory. And as soon as the flux capacitor activated the time paradox, made the DeLorean jump into the Twin Pines timeline. There, there was my Marty, middle-aged, dejected, almost suicidal looking. A Marty who had lived his life imprisoned in a time stream surrounded by idiots. In a moment of weakness, I tried to help this older Marty's kids avoid future jail. I even tried to involve that useless, dumbass version of Marty, but the whiny little bastard just screwed the whole operation, creating two more alternate timelines. One where Biff Tannen becomes the 45th president of the United States of America, and the other where my counterpart from 1955 never bothered to build a DeLorean time machine in the first place. My God, how I envy that man. Ever since I invented that infernal time machine, my life has been a living hell. Hiding from future police in different timelines, exiling my wife and children to a suspension animation kennel. Oh, oh wait a minute. Uh, looks like I have a fare. Hello, friend. Where can I take you? <gasps> Great Scott. You found me. I don't know how, but you found me. And somehow, I knew it would be you. This is Officer Emmett Brown calling TEC dispatch. The target has been terminated. And I have closed the loop. Repeat, I have closed the loop. Well, there you have it. Well, if some of you still out there, like me, that are confused about time paradoxes and how they work, let's get some clarification now from the Community Cork Board to the Cosmos. The Community Cork Board to the Cosmos has this to say about time paradoxes. They are annoying. This is due to the fact that timelines are disrupted so frequently that no one can remember what previous timeline they were in, which of course is what really irritates everyone. For instance, only moments ago the timeline on the planet Earth was so altered that the footballer known as O.J. Simpson, or The Juice, was no longer famous for his starring role in the 1984 motion picture The Terminator. But instead, the role of the T-800 cybernetic killing machine was played by an Austrian bodybuilder with an embarrassing last name. This will not be a shock to anyone, for the timeline adjusted so inconspicuously that literally no one knows reality to be any different. Which of course is what makes it completely annoying. The story goes that in the early 21st century, an incredibly vain and talentless family of humans called the Kardashians were rather angry that no one was paying attention to them. This was due to the fact that they were incredibly vain and talentless. No one had any interest in listening to these spoiled, smug and ugly-hearted people and wished that they would just shut up and go away. They didn't. In fact, these Kardashians continued to resent the rest of the human race for not being interested in their abhorrent lives for the next 3,000 years, so that by the 24th century, the Kardashians, now known as Kardashians, had become so hateful and ugly-hearted, it had transformed their outward appearance to the scaly reptilian bodies that everyone imagined they deserved. Much like their predecessors, these Cardassians filled their time with petty jealousies, catty feuds, and shopping sprees at their local deep space malls. 
and one of these moles had a working spatial anomaly. The Cardassians, in their intense hunger for fame, began to use this wormhole to gain more notoriety, but in a miscalculation due to a partially collapsed warp field, one group of truly repugnant Cardassians were transported through time and space and splashed down in the oceans of the planet Earth in the early 1980s. The Cardassians did not survive the crash, and their bodies were promptly eaten by fish. The fish, regretting this decision almost instantly, got depressed and then sick and then died. Eventually, the dead fish were caught and by accident they were served to a young film director who upon eating them had a feverish dream. It involved a cyborg. A cyborg with huge muscles and barely penetrable Austrian intonations. This was the moment of the time paradox. O.J. Simpson would no longer be cast as the fictional role of a dead-eyed remorseless murderer involved in dramatic car chases, but would instead become famous for standing trial as a dead-eyed remorseless murderer involved in dramatic car chases. But even more paradoxical was O.J. Simpson's defense attorney, Robert Kardashian. In this new timeline, he would gain national recognition for this particular case, which would in turn lead to the Kardashian children growing up with the kind of celebrity they always felt they deserved, and the kind of 4.7 million viewers they always thought that they were entitled to. Doctors who study these kind of temporal paradoxes say that these things continue to happen, are happening, and have already happened. It's all just wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, they say. Well, I hope that clears everything up, and it looks like we're out of time. So I'm Marcus Nemo for The Nautilus at Nine, saying, remember to set your neuralizer for roughly the nine-minute mark, raise your memory of everything you just heard, and as always, for dark is the suede that mows like a harvest. <laughs> Good night. The Nautilus at Nine was created, written, and performed by David Radford and produced by Launchpad Theatre Company. Executive Security Administrator of Technological Operations is Christina Patterson. <laughs> Great title. And she's also the voice you're hearing now. Hello, podcast land. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Nautilus at Nine on iTunes. And to find out more about all things Launchpad, go to launchpadtheatre.com or like us on Facebook. Or why not become a Skynet pirate and follow the Nautilus at Nine on Twitter at Nautilus at Nine and we'll make sure to send you an ahoy, matey. Thanks for listening. Just remember, the future isn't written. No one's is. The future is what you make it. So make it a good one. <laughs> Just kidding. For dark is the suede that mows like a harvest.